All right. Welcome back to the Awakening Innovations podcast. I'm your host, Michael Barnes, and I am here today with Sharon Koenig, and it's going to be a very interesting talk. As most of you know, um, I am developing or planning an event called Cincinnati Hacking Homelessness, and uh, we're going to hear from Sharon, and she's going to talk about her life uh, from homelessness to thriving entrepreneur to broke and struggling again to, to starting all over building a multi-six-figure online coaching empire. Uh, Sharon beat the odds not once but twice, which is pretty impressive. Um, while teacher said she wasn't very smart and family and friends cont continuously told her she couldn't do it, Sharon rose out of struggle, fear, and doubt to create a brand new identity, and she helps others to do the same. Uh, today, Sharon will share her story and tips to help you achieve more out of your life than you ever expected. So welcome, Sharon. It's great to have you. Thank you so much, Michael. I'm really happy to be here. I'm excited to be able to share my story. I'm hoping that it inspires people and, and really just empowers them to believe that they can do more. Excellent. And having uh, talked to you a few times, I have no doubt that it will. So, so let's go ahead and dive in. Um, you know, start where you like. You've told me all sorts of different things, but you know, life hasn't always been a bed of roses for you. <laughs> no, it sure hasn't. You know, actually, I guess you could say I was kind of born into the dysfunctional family, you know, and that really is nothing new. I think we all have that to some degree. Uh, for me, you know, um, my mom basically stole us when I was a little girl from my father. I, my face could have been on a milk carton. I didn't know where we were, anything like that. And, uh, you know, finally, you know, things caught up and he really didn't want to have anything to do with us after a while. And so my mom raised my brother and I um, from babies and, um, you know, some tragic things happened. Uh, she married someone who took her eye out and it was something that I witnessed. And as a young girl, I was very traumatized by it. And, uh, so what what was that? He hit her or cut it or what? Yeah, he, he put a glass into her eye and it wow. was, so she does not have it. She has one eye and, um, you know, it was one of those things where I'll never forget it. It's, it's um, like a horror movie that replays in my mind over and over again. Right. And, you know, literally I lost a mother and I never had a father. So I was, I was eating butter at four and five years old because that's all there was. And my brother, uh, who was two years older than me, was stealing from the neighbors. And because I was little, I was his little criminal. And he wanted me to climb in through the windows and, and steal things. And oh my God, I'm so not proud of this, of course. And um, you know, not, not that I could do anything about it because right. if, if I dared say that I didn't want to do anything, he would hit me. So there was always abuse, you know, so it, it was, I, I was a little baby criminal. <laughs> well, and, and I mean, let's be fair, right? At that age, it's, it's hard to be responsible. I mean, you know, it, it, it is what you do. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, so that that was the very beginning, and uh, you know, we, she she was never the same. Um, she really started to get into alcohol and uh, was never home. I I didn't really have her there as a as a, a support system, as anyone to guide me or anything like that. And I, I didn't have hugs. I think I got my first hug at sixteen when I was. Wow. 
Yeah, so there was no birthday parties, no Christmas presents, you know, no clothes. We were dirty. I was made fun of at school. And um, it, was, it was a pretty miserable existence, but the abuse was more that I could handle. And so I essentially left at 13. And it was a choice I made, literally leaving a roof, because I at least had that. But the abuse, all kinds, all sorts of different types of abuse, the, the drugs everywhere, it was more than I can handle. And I thought I was just better off on my own. So I packed my little pillowcase full of things. Things and I had my babysitting money and I hit the road. So, so how do you at 13 make that decision? I mean, I guess maybe it's not a fully rationalized decision like we would think for an adult, but I mean, how do you decide that and not come back after three hours, right? Well, I think the thing is, is, you know, that question comes from a man who probably had parents and probably did have um, a decent upbringing. But remember, I was a criminal at five mm -hmm. and there were drugs and I saw, you know, 10 year olds having um, adult relationships. And so let's say that I grew up very fast. Mm -hmm. um, I lived a life that wasn't normal. And um, so the thoughts of uh, this isn't a good life was something that I was brought up with. So for me, um, risking everything to go and take care of myself wasn't, you know, like a sudden thought. Like I, I have an 11 year old little girl. I have three kids and um, I would never imagine she would ever think the way that I did, right? Because she's always had everything given to her. So that's a normal thinking that, you know, the way that you, express yourself but for me you know growing up on the streets literally um, with drugs alcohol everywhere and, and that whole lifestyle the thought of um, coming back to that wasn't something that I wanted to do I, I wanted a better life that was something I remember at a very young age I always remembered some sort of dialogue an internal dialogue in my head saying it's not always going to be this way. I'm meant for more. And I had no way to, no input from one, from anybody to make me think that. Actually, it was the opposite. People in school, teachers, literally teachers would tell me that I wasn't very smart. I had to be in all sorts of um, um, special needs uh, classes. And um, just friends and family never expected anything from me at all. Mm -hmm. So... You know, Where I do you think uh, you got it from that thought of I just don't even know. It's like you know, here I am today in my grown-up body with all of my awareness and all the teaching and training that I've gone through. I know now that there are some people say angels, some people say God, some people say higher power, universe, whatever it is. It's like a spirit within us where we have like a higher power. And some people, I guess, are a little bit more in tune to that. So for me, I guess I just, I just said in my head, I just believed I was meant for more and I was going to have a better life. Okay. That, that's an awesome awareness to have at that age. Well, I sure as heck wasn't going to put up with being abused anymore. <laughs> yes. Very good. Yeah. So um, it, it was a really difficult time for me um, to live on the streets like that. And uh, 
there was a, a uh, truck stop close by. So I would have my babysitting money and whatever, and I would be able to take showers there. And sometimes I didn't have the money. So I would go and get a bottle of water and be able to keep myself fresh while I was going to school. <laughs> So you kept going to school during this? So I kept going to high school. Yeah, it was a little secret. Um, so it, it was not something that people knew. Right. And so where were, where were you staying? So for a while, I did stay in a little makeshift little makeshift tent that the neighborhood kids made so that's something that we're like little hoodlums, you know, and, and we're going through the alleys and we're collecting uh, furniture that people threw out, you know, blankets that they threw out and milk cartons. We had milk cartons back then, you know, the, the crates. And so we used those for chairs and it was just where we hung out, where they smoked pods, where they did drugs, you know, and um, had adult relationships, all sorts of things like that. So I would stay there and, you know, when the kids were in school or whatever they were, I was hanging out. Sometimes I didn't want to be around them. And I literally would just kind of hang out by, um, there was a Kentucky fried chicken right there. And um, that's where I got my food. I would do some dumpster diving, dumpster yeah. diving in there. And um, so I would just kind of hang out real close there. So I always knew that I could get water and food from there. Yeah. And, and where was this? This was in Phoenix, Arizona. Phoenix. Okay. Mm -hmm. So it's pretty hot. <laughs> yeah. I was going to ask actually, since I'm sitting here in Cincinnati and it's literally freezing and you know, this Cincinnati hacking homelessness thing, was the weather at least not freezing? You no, know, during the time that I was homeless, it was actually really hot. It was in the okay. summer. So it was kind of miserable. It was really dirty. <laughs> mm -hmm. So, you know, I was fortunate enough where I made some friends before all this even happened. Mm -hmm. And I was able to actually ask if I could sleep on their sofa. And that was something that I did in exchange for keeping their house clean and cooking. Okay. And so these were adult friends that you had? They were. They were adult friends. Okay. Was your mom looking for you during this time? No, she didn't care. Remember, she was not in her normal, okay. I don't know what was normal, but it, let's just say that she didn't. <laughs> He was in her own world. Okay. So she was not. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. So after staying in this tent, and I think it's great that you kept going to school some, what, what was next? What was next was literally working. And I would work three jobs just to save up enough money. I knew that I had to really be able to save enough money to be able to take care of myself. I couldn't keep living with other people. I mean, I, I actually did a lot of sofa surfing. So I was living on other people's sofas for a really long time. I certainly couldn't afford my own place until I was at least 18. So that was my life for a really long time. A <clears throat> lot of years. How long were you staying in this makeshift tent thing? So that was about two months. Wow. Okay. Yeah. And were there other people who stayed there at night or were you, I mean, I guess people. Come no. Out, but no. you were the only one. Actually I was the only there. one that stayed there at night. Yeah. So there, as far as I know, there weren't any other homeless children around or anything like that. So, um, you know, it's just, we were just a bunch of little hoodlums that just hung out there yeah. and they all went to their homes and, you know, I chose just to not get, you know, abused anymore. So. Right. Okay. 
Yeah, so I was working, um, I would work up to three jobs. And of course, you know, it wasn't a problem with addresses or anything like that. I just used my mom's address and I was able to make money and. Yeah, I guess, uh, I'm not sure when that was, but, and you made 13, at 13. Right, I, I meant what year. Um, so did you have to have a phone number and what did you do for a phone number if you had to? Oh, just my mom's. Yeah. But yeah, it, it wasn't anything that where I needed to use it, you know? Okay. That, again, my mind flips to the Cincinnati hacking homelessness. That's a major problem these days is. Uh, it is today. They able to call you. Right. Like, all the time. <laughs> right. Well, my first job was working in a bowling alley. Mm-hmm. And I actually lost that job because one of my schoolmates actually recognized me and said, hey, she's not 16. She's not supposed to be working. So I actually uh, lost that job. She didn't know how bad I needed that job, right. right? So that was the thing because they needed someone. I was a porter. And back then, that was when they had cigarettes in, mm -hmm. the, in the alley, you know, so I would clean up after that. But um, they just needed someone. And so I started right away. Right. Yeah. And then a lot of times I would end up having to do telemarketing jobs, which were the jobs that nobody wanted. Sure. And so that was easy to start those kinds of jobs. And then there were babysitting and other things like that, that I could do. Yeah. So, so now you are 18 and you finally got a place. Yes, I finally have a place and it was a dump, <laughs> yep. but it was my dump. It was my dump. And then I got my, my very first car at, uh, for a hundred dollars at an auction. So that was pretty cool too. I could stop riding public transportation and yeah. or using skates. I would use skates to get back and forth to work back then. It was okay. amazing. Yeah. Walking, skates, skateboard, anything like that. Um, so yeah, I'm growing up and, um, it was amazing. I remember using a calculator every time I went to the store to make sure that I didn't go over my budget. So I, cause I didn't want to go over my budget. I only had just, you know, maybe $20 or whatever it was to eat for an entire week. So I was just using my little calculator in the store and, and yeah. then I'd bring the food home. And I remember living paycheck to paycheck and getting the notifications that the electricity was going to be shut off. I was literally a month behind every single month and wow. I was scared out of my mind. I was going to end up being homeless again. Um, and you know, I've lived my whole life, honestly, in fear, um, fear of, you know, having to start all over again. It's, it's been a big shadow of mine, honestly. It's um, just my identity. I am a person who struggles. I am a poor person. I am a person who will never amount to anything. Right. I will always have a, a minimum wage job. I will always have to work multiple jobs. That's just who I was. That's my identity. And right. it was, that was what was so incredibly hard to battle because I had to literally create a new identity if I was ever going to be anything more. Right. And, and let me just ask, actually, because of the way you said that, is that still your identity? You know, it's funny you say that because it is still a shadow, the shadow of a person who is um, that I'm not meant for more. I still hear it. I still hear that voice. And it's funny because, you know, like some of my clients, they, they are people of all 
different types of dreams. You know, some people are obese, for example, and they mm. want to lose weight and they, and they finally do lose the weight, but then they see in their mind, I'm still this fat person, or mm. I'm still a person who smokes, or I'm uh, someone who gets divorced. I'm not worthy of love. I'll never have love. So it's like we get these identities in our heads and it's really hard to shake. And that's why, you know, I work so much with self-image. There's actually been studies on self-image uh, mm. with children in particular. So we believe who we are, and this is the life we actually create. We don't create anything more than what we think we're capable of. And I think that's why, you know, some, some people who actually win the lottery, who are mm-hmm. poor, why they lose the money, because it's their identity to this temperature. It literally is like a money temperature. Right. I'm only, I'm, I only see myself having this money, so I'll spend all this money and then I have nothing left over because that's who they believe they are. So when you, when you discover that you're meant for more, that you can have more, that's when you have to literally start to really create a new identity. But I think the thing that a lot of people don't understand is that it's already you. It's just something you have to reclaim. That's right. who, who I was but I didn't know it. Right. No one ever told me I was capable of going to college. No one ever told me I was capable of making lots of money. Yeah. But I had to just reclaim it. That's who I am. Yeah. And I think that that's a great way to put it, um, that you reclaim it. Mm-hmm. The, the way that I've been putting it is you have to allow yourself, right? So you're standing in your way or it already exists. Basically, the way I put it is just get out of the way and let it happen. Um, so I, I, I think that's a beautiful way, a beautiful way to put it. I think it's really hard for people, especially when you know they're dealing with so much tragedy and so so much internal drama in their minds to really shake something like that because it is a constant battle. It's like you know their their conscious mind fighting their subconscious mind because they see the proof all around them. Look, there's poor people all around me. Look, there's homeless people all around me, and so they see the proof. Right. And so it's hard to believe anything else other than what you mm-hmm. see. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, um, you know, one of the philosophies out there is basically you become addicted to whatever you're used to, whether it, whether it's, you know, being wealthy or poor, uh, bad situation situations or good situations, you know, you become addicted to it. And that's why so few people change because our brains very often, as you know, there are a lot of philosophies, but your brain in general, wants to keep the same. Mm-hmm. Whatever's normal and becomes, in many respects, comforting, which is why a lot of times people will get out of some sort of a bad situation and go back mm-hmm. because that's what's familiar. That, for whatever reason, um, that is where we feel we should be. Right. It is called homeostasis, you know, and we see this with our our bodies, our physiques, you know, when we lose a couple of pounds, we gain it back. But the thing is, is that in our minds, you know, if someone was abused, for example, you know, a, a woman and she stays with her husband. And the thing is, is that this is all she knows. So it's, it's like you said, it's like an addiction, but more than anything, this is what she's only what she's known. Sure. So she's yeah. so afraid of what, it, what, 
could be for her. So yeah. in a sense, she's living her life in fear of the worst case scenario. But the worst case scenario for her is her current life. But she doesn't see it. She doesn't see another future. And that's where we have to be a little bit more uh, proactive and try to envision a better future and know that there's resources out there for us. And that's the thing a lot of people don't realize, especially if they're dealing with homelessness, you know, or we're, we're, we're talking to a woman who is, you know, battered, a battered wife, you know, she's too afraid to leave with the children, for example, you mm -hmm. know, she's stuck in her head thinking that she'll never make it. And that happened to me, you know, and I had this time around, it wasn't just me, it was me and my three kids, right. but I had to ask for more because that's the thing is we have a responsibility to ourselves, to this life that we live and say that we are meant for more, that there is more for us, but we have to have the courage to be bold and go out and ask for what we can have. Mm -hmm. But we're like little children in our minds where we say, but I don't know, but I don't know how to do that. I don't know if I can. Right. And we don't want to admit that part. Yeah. That that's one of the hardest things. And, and I want to go back to something that we talked about at the beginning. So we've all heard the stories, whatever it is, you know, whatever the bad situation is, people stay in that bad situation. Mm -hmm. I, I'm not sure if you have an answer for this, but what got you to move? Because you said earlier, you know, you're talking to someone who hasn't gone through things, but most people don't move. Oh, that's a really good point. That is a really good point. Um, I, you know, I, for me, it, it was just that I knew that I was better than this and I wanted better. And so here's the thing with human psychology, right? Each and every one of us will do something, take an action based off of pain, a, a perceived pain, or off of a pleasure that they perceive they will get. Right. So everyone is different, right? Some people stay in a situation because of pain or pleasure. For me, the threshold of pain had gotten so bad. We're talking about all different types of abuse. Mm -hmm. And I just couldn't take it anymore. And that was it. it. And, you know, if you look at a thermometer and you see it, you know, it's, you know, going hotter and hotter and hotter, eventually it just explodes where you just can't have anymore. So for me, I had had too much pain. I didn't have any idea what was going to happen to me, but surely it couldn't be as bad as what I was experiencing. Right. And so if someone is going through some sort of pain, um, you know, we didn't talk about this before, but how, how would you either reach them or what could they do in order to move towards pleasure? Because it's, it's scary to move. Oh, it is, right? yeah. And, and so what would you tell somebody who's currently in pain of some sort? Um, what would you tell them? See, this is where we have to start playing mind games. Mm -hmm. Because as a human, we're flawed. And we can't really believe something if we don't see evidence for it. So if someone is really in some sort of a situation and they are fearing moving on because they can't see it's going to be better, they literally have to believe it will be. And that's really where it was for me. As I said before, 
anything had to be better than what I was dealing with. Right. Okay. And Even being hungry, it, being hungry was better than being abused. Yeah. I'd had too many years of it. Do you have any tips for how somebody could do that if they want to? Because I talk to people all the time and they're going through negative situations and they're like, I want to get out, but I can't do it. I can't cross that uh, activation threshold. So here's the thing. When, maybe when What could others do? Whichever way it is, what can they do or what could other people do to help? Well, they're just creatures, right? They're just humans. And, if, and you have to understand what drives them. Sure, we have a heart and we have lungs and everything. But what drives us is our mind. Our mind is literally playing a game on us. And this person, their, their thought process and saying, I can't, it's just mm -hmm. a thought. You see, all circumstances are just neutral. Um, a child being abused is just neutral. It has no feelings, negative or positive. It's mm -hmm. just a circumstance, right? It's only our thoughts that create the feelings inside of them. This is where we tend to spiral and then we end up having an action or an inaction and then a result from there. So what do I say? A tip or something is literally to either you know, get some help, which is like some counseling or resources, coaching, you know, I work with the mind. This is what, what I have been trained for, for all of these decades. And this is what I help people do because they are stuck in this thought. I can't do this. I want to leave. I want to improve my life, but I can't. So right. then what, let's talk about, I can't. So let's, let's talk about why you can't, what do you think is going to happen? You know, um, I can't, so I stay. So this is the action, right? The action, I stay. And then what's the result? The result is literally the circumstance. It's like a cycle, right? But let's take a different action. Let's try a different thought. What if I could? What if I could? What action would I take? It's a whole different way of thinking, you see? Mm -hmm. And this is what we have to do because that's what we forget. We're humans. And we are flawed with our thinking. So we ha literally have to create a new thinking. I, I so much agree with that. <laughs> so, so can you tell us, you know, we've talked a lot about your struggles. Tell us some of your successes. Well, you know, it, when I was finally in my 20s, um, I was a little bit more concerned about money. I thought money was going to solve everything for me. So I went ahead and I got my real estate license. That was, I go from uh, being a waitress to uh, taking my real estate license. And that was the thing because of all of those teachers that were saying, you're dumb, you're dumb, you're dumb. <laughs> I didn't pass it the first time, but I took it again. I passed it. And, you know, it was, it was who I was relating with. All of the people I was networking with literally became my clients. I was able to actually succeed. And and I was a young 25-year-old girl. And this is, you know, back in the 80s. And, you know, we're still talking about women being minorities. And I was going for this million-dollar uh, listing. 
and I stood there at the door and this man answered the door and he saw me there and I'm, I'm only five one. I'm kind of petite <laughs> and I'm young, of course, um, at the time. And he, he said that there's no way that he would give the listing to me pretty much within a five minute conversation because I was a young female and I needed to set up an appointment with the broker and have the broker come over. So that shot me down. And, um, so literally I'm, I'm succeeding. I'm doing great. I'm networking with people and I'm selling things and I think I can do more and I think I can do more. And I go for this million dollar listing and I get shot down mm -hmm. and you know, it did a number on my psyche. And it's like, who am I fooling here? <laughs> really? I am such a fake. Right. And so then I start going down into that thought pattern again, like I'm nothing. I'm just I'm just never going to make it. And and so I just continued to do different different um, phases where I would succeed and fail, succeed and fail until I married and I started a family and I found that I actually had a knack for business and marketing. Mm -hmm. Um, so we, we, um, literally bought this business for $500 and within a year it was half a million dollars. Wow. And, um, you know, I felt really good about myself discovering that I have these abilities, these, these gifts, I guess, if it were, um, yet I'm still struggling inside my mind and mm -hmm. that's not something that anybody knew, but I was still that poor girl. I was always going to be poor, right. you know, but along the way, um, we're building up our, our business together and the marriage just wasn't sustainable. And uh, it was a very cold marriage, very lonely marriage. The kids don't even have a relationship with their dad right now as we speak. Um, but again, that voice that I told you about in the beginning, you know, you are meant for more. Right. And I, I got the courage and that's what it took. I got the courage to ask for the divorce, even though I would end up penniless again. Mm -hmm. But this time it was with three kids. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I've got new skill this time around, but I'm still dealing with all of the mind drama of my fears. Uh, but I got it together and I started another business. And uh, I think I'm unemployable at this point. <laughs> <laughs> so I... I find those people the most interesting. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. And so what was this business? So that business was a skin spa. Oh, really? Okay. Well, you know, I'm a little girly and I, hold, I like that whole idea of aesthetics. And, you know, it's funny because I, I had no money at all and just credit cards and you know so i'm in credit card debt as i build up the business and i had no clients to speak of as a brand right. new business but you know i i was good at marketing and good at business and uh day one i had people in and i they're all women and from women of you know different ages and uh different you know demographics and some of the women who were in who were business owners would always ask me how I was able to do it so I would tell them my my story and give them tips and and tell them how to how to run their business and sure enough things would work and uh, finally a friend of mine said you know you could get paid for that <laughs> so it's funny because um, I found yet another zone of genius where I was able to coach people and you know really be able to guide them 
them and help them maybe be a consultant, put my consultant hat on from time to time. And so I sold that business and that's where I am today. So I, I took the sale, the, the money uh, from the sale of that business to start this business. Mm -hmm. And uh, so now I literally help people life and business growth expert. So, okay. So if somebody has a business, or what kind of business could you help somebody with? Well, see, the thing is, is that, you know, what we, do, what we do in one way of our life, we do in another way of our life. So we realize that sometimes when businesses aren't succeeding, it's because of something that they're thinking, something that mm -hmm. they're feeling, some behavior, some actions they're taking or not taking. So I help all sorts of, all sorts of types of businesses um, because it all relates to their mind. It always goes back to that. You know, some people are afraid to, um, you know, really do sales, for example, or marketing. You know, there's a lot of fears. It, it seems like it doesn't matter if we're talking about a homeless person or a person who wants to leave her husband. Um, everything always goes back to your mind. It always goes back to courage. It always goes back to the fear and looking for the pleasure that we want, you know, the dreams that we want. So they go hand in hand and ultimately you can have anything if you just know how to change your thought patterns. Yeah, that's absolutely true. Uh, my journey of the past several years has taught me the exact same thing. Um, so are you more of a mindset coach? You obviously, you know a lot about marketing. Um, what do you do with, with these people? How do you help them succeed? Well, I basically, my business is fearless pursuits. So basically we, we take the two words pursuits. I like to start there because pursuits are dreams, right? Mm -hmm. It could be you wanting to lose a hundred pounds. It could be you wanting to start a business. It could be you trying to find love. And we realize that it, you have to be bold. You have to be courageous. You have to be fearless in order to do that. Of course, we are never fearless, <laughs> right? Right. We're not. We have all of these dreams. We want to get out of homelessness. We, we want to, you know, start a business. We want to be rich, you know. Um, but we realize that we're living with fear. And so it's, everything goes hand in hand. And we realize that if we ever want to have the lifestyle we want, we have to make money. Right. There's, it's a no brainer. We have to make money. And then we realize that if we're going to work for, um, some corporation or some company, we're going to be capped out at some point. We're never going to have the lifestyle we want. And so even Robert Kiyosaki, do you know Robert Kiyosaki? Yeah. So, you know, rich dad, poor dad, he talked about that, right? So what we have to do, if we're ever going to have that kind of money, that kind of lifestyle, you know, a freedom lifestyle, we, we have to have a business. So it all goes hand in hand. And so I work with them. That's what makes me so unique because I do have the experience of the marketing and the sales as an expert after all of these years. But I, I specialize with the mind because I understand so deeply what's going on with the minds to move people forward to do the things that they want to do. So that's why I am both a life and business coach. Mm -hmm. I help them with their minds. Yeah. And, and I agree. I mean, uh, I think it was Ford who said, whether you think you can or you think you can't, you're probably right. Oh, yeah. Um, that, that's one of those phrases that stuck out to me because um, it's all what you believe. See, and that goes back to self-image. 
Yep. It's like, who are you? What do you believe about yourself? Yeah. If you and and for you know the beginning of our conversation talking to those people, someone who has a circumstance, a really tragic circumstance, a really stressful circumstance, you know, it's what do you believe about yourself? What do you believe you're capable of? And that was just that one little voice I had. I believed that I was meant for more. It was really just those few words. Right. Just those few words. Yeah. That's an awesome story. I appreciate you sharing. Um, and I'm sure that there will be people listening to this who will uh, uh, see themselves in what you say, um, in some piece of it. Far too many people, I, I have found that far too many people, even those not going through what what is visibly a str struggle, are struggling with, with uh, their self-image. So um, I, I very much appreciate your time on this. So thank you. Oh, you're welcome. I know that how difficult it is for people when they're in the trenches and they're literally living this life day after day, week after week, month after month, they can't help but see themselves that way. You yeah. know, but I, that's why I really want everyone who's listening to believe that what, what they want, all of their dreams can happen, but they have to really see themselves in the future as a person who can have it. Right. Absolutely. And so if somebody wants to reach out to you and talk to you more, what's the best way for them to get in touch with you? Well, I suppose my website, you know, that's Fearless Pursuits, fearlesspursuits.com. And I'm certainly available on Facebook. You can kind of find me everywhere. I'm, well, I'm good at marketing, so I'm kind of everywhere. <laughs> I have my own podcast, too, and that's Fearless Pursuits Podcast, Breakthrough to Success. Mm -hmm. And so if someone's looking for you on Facebook, how do they spell your name? Okay, that's K-O-E. N-I-G, Koenig. It's a German name. All right. So as I said at the beginning, I was never going to guess how to say that. You're not going to guess. I know. It's, it's like, I think the German would have the umla over the E, but in, in America, it's, you know, we have the first, first vowel does the talking, but not in German. All, all bets are off there. <laughs> awesome. So we will put that into the show notes and people can follow the link and look you up. Um, so thank you very much, Sharon. I really appreciate you sharing your story, um, giving people an example of someone who has gone through significant challenge and come out the other side, and you are helping other people succeed in their lives. I, I uh, greatly admire that. Oh, you're very welcome. I, I just really hope and pray that it blesses your audience. And if anybody hears it, it just gives them some sort of empowerment to take better actions and have different thought patterns that can really thrust them to a better life. Excellent. I'm sure that will. All right. Well, thank you very much.